It's time now for super psychologist, Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years. Welcome to Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years this evening and every Sunday evening at 5 p.m. Central Time and that's 6 p.m. Eastern Time right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmaracarpell.com and also now on Apple Podcasts. And today is Sunday, June the 7th, and I'm psychologist Dr. Mara Carpell, and I am coming to you live from isolation in beautiful Austin, Texas, and I hope that you're all staying safe wherever you are. Art Mendoza of Accomplice Entertainment, producer of this program, is here with us to make the show run smoothly as usual, and we have another great program in store for you this evening. In a little while after the break, we'll be joined once again by Gerald Yearwood, retired senior officer of diversity affairs at Miami University in Oxford, Ohio. And this time, Gerald joins us at this pivotal time in our history as a nation, this intersection of a devastating pandemic that is targeting minority and elderly communities with a tipping point for the tension caused by the disparity in treatment of black Americans versus everyone else by law enforcement, by the legal system, really by the system. And we'll be discussing what's happening with, and Gerald will be giving can all be part of the solution. And later in the program, Twins, Minerva, and Ruben join us from Bay of Benderas on the Pacific coast of Mexico, which is a top tourist destination. And this is a first in a series with news about what's happening there. And along the way, I'll discuss connecting to our compassion. Um, it's really important to connect to our compassion for a more passionate life. And throughout this evening's program, we will have time to take your questions. So if you have any questions or comments for me or for my guest, please feel free to give a call. The toll-free number is 855-345-4720. That's 855-345-4720. Or you can email your questions to me, and I will read them on the air to my guest. And my email address is drmara, that's D-R-M-A-R-A, at drmaracarpel.com, D-R-M-A-R-A-K-A-R-P-E-L. And you can hear this program again later by going to my website, and the link to the podcast will be posted later tonight along with all of the important information and any website links that are given on the program. Um, All of that will be at my website later this evening. And you can also hear the podcast in as soon as five minutes after the show ends by going directly to Blog Talk Radio, that's B-L-O-G, talkradio.com, slash, your golden years. And also on Apple Podcasts, you can hear this program five minutes after it ends. And for information from previous programs, to listen to previous programs, read my blog, find out about my book, all of that, 
Um, you can go to my website, drmaricorpel.com, and you can also hear all of the previous programs that we have done here on Blog Talk Radio by going to blogtalkradio.com slash your golden years. And all of those programs are also on Apple Podcasts going back six and a half years. And to find out about future programs and to see when a blog posts anything, any events in the future, follow me on Facebook, Dr. Mara Carpell, Your Golden Years. This show is produced by Accomplice Entertainment, Postal Productions, and Psyched Up Productions. And we're going to take a brief break, um, but don't go anywhere. It's going to be very brief. And when we come back, we'll be joined right here by Gerald Yearwood. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Super psychologist Dr. Mara Carpell will be back after words from our sponsors. Are you or a loved one a Medicare beneficiary? Help save you and Medicare money by stopping Medicare fraud. Fraud happens when Medicare is billed for services or supplies you never receive. There are three easy things you can do to fight fraud. Review your Medicare claims for accuracy, protect your personal information, and be on the lookout for suspicious activity. For more information or to report fraud, call Medicare at 1-800-MEDICARE or your local SHIP counselor at the Area Agency on Aging at 1-800-252-9240. Dr. Mara's book, The Passionate Life, Creating Vitality and Joy at Any Age, is now available on Kindle and in paperback at Amazon. Don't forget to listen to Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years live from Austin, Texas, every Sunday on blogtalkradio.com. All right, and we are back. If you're just joining us, this is Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmaracarpell.com. And now joining us on the phone from Ohio is Gerald Yearwood, retired senior officer of diversity affairs at Miami University in Oxford, Ohio. And before we get to the discussion, I just in full transparency, I want to mention something. If you have my book, and if you go to Chapter 29, page 290, you might see in the middle of the page a paragraph that says, when I found myself feeling emotionally out of balance or have lost sight of my desired goals and dreams, I remember the wisdom passed along to me by a friend during graduate school. Quote, my grandma always told me, he said, it's not how many times you get knocked down on the mat that counts. It's how long you stayed down. And I want to mention that that was Gerald Yearwood, who was my friend at that time in graduate school. And I sort of looked at him as a mentor because he always had these pearls of wisdom that have stuck in my mind. So welcome, Gerald, with your pearls of wisdom. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I, I'm really glad to have you back on the program, and it's been a while. So yeah, it's um, been it's been a good it's been a good while, no question about that. Yeah. <laughs> that's for sure. I just want to remind you, there's a slight delay when we speak like this, so just you know that's good to keep in mind so we don't get mixed up. But um, how are you doing? There's a lot going doing, on in the world. I'm doing fine. I'm just. Uh, 
following all the mandates of uh, sheltering in place and wearing a mask and social distancing and all the other uh, things that have been thrown at us at this uh, pivotal time in our history. No question about that. Yeah. Well, I'm glad I'm glad to hear that you're staying safe. You need to stay well. <laughs> we we yeah, need given, your wisdom. And given my <laughs> age variance, I guess uh, I have to. <laughs> I have no other choice. <laughs> okay. So, 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 you know, why don't you tell our listeners a little bit about your background before we get into the discussion about what's going on in the world? Oh, okay. Not a problem. Um, first and foremost, I was uh, born and raised in uh, New York City in a section of New York called Harlem. Um, that's where mm-hmm. I basically learned uh, a host of different things uh, that I attribute to my, my life. No question about that. Um, I grew up in a single parent home. My mother, uh, was a registered nurse, uh, who worked various hours. And from time to time we would find ourselves being taken care of by a host of different people, but it all worked out in the end. Um, I, I, I attended resurrection Roman Catholic school in Harlem, uh, first to eighth grade. Uh, I then, uh, moved on to prep school in Massachusetts, uh, spent a period of time in high schools in, in high school in New York, Dewitt Clinton High School, and then eventually to the street academies where I, uh, you know, completed my my high school, and then I moved on to uh, a situation where um, I was a basketball player, and um, mm-hmm. I love I love the game of basketball, and. Uh, it kind of helped me in, in more ways than I could ever imagine in terms of getting my 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 uh, my education as it relates to higher ed, um, meeting a whole host of different people who, who were very instrumental in my development. I attended St. Augustine's College in Raleigh, North Carolina, <clears throat> excuse me, um, where I received my degree in, in uh, sociology. Once I left uh, Raleigh, um, I moved back to New York City for, for a period of time. I worked with the uh, New York State <clears throat> Division for Youth uh, for a period of years. I did some high school coaching, um, mentored a lot of young people in my community, was pretty active in my community as well. Um, I then moved up to Syracuse, New York, and um, I, I took a, a, a host of different positions, but the position that really uh, kind of changed my life and moved me in a really a good direction was when I worked for Krauss Hospital, which you know. Um, mm-hmm. I, I was a I was a, a counselor in their uh, substance abuse program, <clears throat> and during that time that I was a substance abuse uh, counselor, I decided that I wanted to uh, go back to school and, and get a master's degree in higher education administration, uh, and I completed that course of study. Um, at Syracuse University in their higher education administration program. I left the hospital while I was still in graduate school and took a position at the Syracuse Community Health Center where I became the chief of addiction services. And then um, a childhood friend of mine um, introduced me to uh, opportunities in higher education. And I said to myself, do I really want to uh, do this? And eventually someone said, well, you have the degree now. You better go ahead and do it. 
<laughs> so I, I took an opportunity. I took a position at the University of Akron in their athletic department because I've always been interested in athletics. And uh, I was the um, academic advisor for student athletes as well as the champs life skills coordinator through the NCAA. And we did some very mm-hmm. instrumental things in that program. Uh, we, we had a career fair for student athletes, which I kind of stole the idea from Southern Methodist university, a, a colleague down there. And uh, eventually, uh, you know, a lot of community service opportunities as well. Um, after being at Akron for approximately, let's say two and a half years, I moved to, I moved on to Miami university. And I said that childhood friend, once again, told me a lot about Miami university. I didn't know too much about Miami, but, uh, I met her at a conference in Atlanta and she kept ranting and raving about Miami university. So I said, okay, what we got to do? She said, you have a resume? I said, yes. I gave her my resume. I eventually, um, uh, wound up uh, hearing from her approximately maybe a year later, if not maybe six months later, about an opportunity at Miami, and uh, in the in the era, at that time the career planning and placement office. So I I jumped at it and I took it and I was just, I was uh, given the opportunity to work as an assistant director in that office for approximately ten years, and then uh, mm-hmm. I was approached by the. Uh, Vice President for Student Affairs and Dean of Students at Student Affairs at Miami University about an opportunity working in, at that time, it would have been the Multicultural Student Enrichment uh, Program, and then eventually changed to the Office of Diversity Affairs. And they uh, presented me with an opportunity, and I jumped on it, and uh, I was there for approximately, I think, eight years. Uh, I enjoyed every moment of it. It uh, it gave me a a lot of insight into the area of diversity, but also into understanding different people and how they feel about different things that come into place in their lives. So I really, uh, I really cherish that, that, that opportunity because it, it helped me understand a lot of, a lot of things uh, as the years went on. No question about that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and with that understanding I, I think, you know, that's why I invited you on because I thought you could give us some a deeper insight into, you know, what is going on right now. That's been going on obviously for a long time, but people are just sort of waking up to what's going on and um, it's really come to kind of a tipping point with the, you know, racial disparity. Um and it, it seems like it's like at a critical point in time, just both because the this pandemic <laughs> is one that um, targets um, minorities, you know, people in black and brown communities, as well as the elderly. Um, at the same time that people are waking up and, and really seeing the, the, racial disparity and, you know, obviously brought to a head by the most recent event with George Floyd being murdered by police officers. So, you know, what, what can you, what can you tell us about, I mean, maybe we could start with the pandemic and, and then talk about the, the racial disparity issue. I mean, however you want to do that, but Um, maybe you have some deeper insights. Well, first and foremost, let me say that I think the pandemic caught 
all of us off guard. Mm-hmm. I mean, we 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 left 2019 and we entered to, uh, 2020, and uh, for the month month of January and February, you know, it was basically life is normal in in the United States of America, and then we started getting little snippets about this uh, virus. And before you know it, uh, we, we, we are placed in a situation that I don't think any of us have ever been placed in before, as, as far as I know. Mm-hmm. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, making the adjustment to being in your home environment for extended periods and, and hours on, on at a time, it, it was pretty difficult at first, I must contend. Because you don't mm-hmm. know, you no longer have the flexibility of moving around and visiting people and doing things that you normally do, or having lunch with your friends, or you know, dinner, or going shopping, et cetera. Once everything shut down, so that was kind of like a shock to the system, if you ask me. And then on top right. of that, you start getting information with regards to people losing their lives. And mm-hmm. that really hit home for me because I just kept thinking about my mom who's up there in age and, you know, uh, God bless, she's been taken care of by a, a, a great organization and some really dedicated individuals. But still in all, I mean, people were losing their lives, you know, who were suffering from lung disease and diabetes and heart disease, et cetera. And the numbers just kept escalating. It wasn't like they would, it stopped. It just kept escalating. And I think panic and fear set in. That's obvious. And so, you know, sure. we, were caught in, we were caught in a really unpredictable situation, no question about it. And, and now we're trying to figure out a way to, to get back to what they keep tagging as the new, no, the new normal. Uh, I don't know mm-hmm. how that looks. I have no idea how that looks, but I know that um, – it, 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 it has put a lot of fear and panic into a lot of people. And I've heard just listening to various uh, media outlets how they predict that the, 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 uh, the diagnosis of depression will probably escalate over time, given what people had to experience with this, this pandemic. Then we move on to this, this situation with, uh, with uh, uh, George uh, Floyd and, and you see it, and you keep and i I've watched it, and I said to myself, "Wow, I mean that was that was shocking to me and it, and it put a lot of, it, it put a lot of um, it made me tear up tremendously because I can remember a situation with regards to myself in Harlem being confronted by police officers, and it wasn't pretty, let me put it that way, but still in all mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. watching that. And, and and watching this man lose his life was just mm-hmm. it was it, it was heartbreaking. It really was. Um, then the aftermath of you know uh, the, the the protests and and the outcry and and you know all that took place with that and then listening to the different uh, um, arguments and people airing their displeasures. It it, it was it was not a, a was not a good time. It's, it just and it's still not. It's still not a good time because we're trying to figure out how we're going to change the dynamic here. 
if we ever will. Yep. I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know. I've been around a long time. I've seen a lot of things. I was telling some people just the other day, I remember the 1964 Harlem riots. I remember standing uh-huh. on the corner with my friends. And I remember a guy coming by on a bicycle saying, tonight's the night. And we're all trying to figure out what is he talking about. And he says, haven't you heard? A, a, a police officer killed a young man, a, a, a black man in, in Brooklyn. And, and, and there's, a, there's, there's a, a lot of uh, hostility going on. And before you know it, we had a riot in Harlem. And it wasn't, and mm-hmm. it wasn't pretty. And it took, it took place for approximately before, maybe four or five days. I mean, it was just, it was just an ugly scene. Uh, then you move on to 1968 when Dr. King died, and there's another situation. Mm-hmm. So, so you keep asking yourself, you know, how much more can we endure given, you know, all that has happened over time? I think it's, it's a test of our, our resolve in, in more ways than one. So, you know, a lot, you know, we hear, we've heard lately about a lot of these situations where, you know, an unarmed uh, young black man or woman has been killed, right? And, um, you know, it's just, I think we hear about it more because I, I think it's been going, I mean, I know you know it's been going on a long time, but we hear about it more because we have the internet and we have phones where people record it and we have, you know, 24 hour news cycle. Um, but now with George Floyd, um, it really led to people like waking up and saying, wait a second, what is going on here? And I'm wondering, you know, do you think that the pandemic and people being stuck at home contributed to now that, you know, really focusing on it because there wasn't anything else distracting them? Um, or um, was it the fact that the, it was all on videotape so vividly that we could watch the whole thing? But, I mean, there were other, there were other situations that were on tape. Well, um, you, you know, fact, factor in some things, okay? For instance, okay, you've got over – 100,000-plus people who have died from the pandemic. Mm-hmm. That's, that's astronomical, okay, within a short time frame. Then you counter that with how many people are over 40 million people unemployed who have right. jobs, right. who are now facing evictions from their rental uh, prop, uh, residences, uh, mm-hmm. which I think is, mm-hmm. is ludicrous, um, along with the fact that, and I keep saying this, you have people who probably was just, you know, sitting around, not doing anything in a certain age group, younger than me for sure, and then all of a sudden, you know, boom, we've got this, this issue, and it's, it's kind of like open season, and, and all kinds of things happen, unfortunately. Um, people are getting arrested, people are looting, people are protesting, people are trying to be, be on the side of right while some people are trying to be on the side of wrong. And so you've got confusion, mass confusion. Then you've got to figure out, well, mm-hmm. how does this all work out? You know? Now, lately, they've talked you know, in terms of most of the protests have been peaceful, uh, thank God. Mm-hmm. But still in all, mm-hmm. um, you've got all these people who now have come, you know, you have a and by the way, you have a cross-section of people 
you know, George, right. George, George Floyd was black, but still, it's it's not just black people who are protesting. There's a there's a cross section of, of America that's protesting, and in major cities in this country. So when you look at that, you have to you have to scratch your head and say, whoa, where we what, what, what what's going on? Where where we go from here? Because this can't continue. You just can't be protesting every day, every day, every day, every day of protest. But don't you think it's but Gerald, don't you think it's a good thing now that that we have such a cross section of people waking up and saying we we don't want this anymore? I think that's a good thing. How you put things in perspective is another thing. Mm-hmm. Because you're going to have to figure out a way to get a cross section of people to sit down and have some really, really heart-to-heart discussions regarding a host of different things. Okay? Mm-hmm. Because Floyd's death is one thing, but racial inequality is another. And right. getting folks at the table to sit down and, 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 and hash out, and, and it's, it's not going to be pretty. It's going to be ugly. I mean, just I give you a, I give you a perfect example of what I'm talking about here. Just all of a sudden, the commissioner of the NFL comes out and says, oh, we blew it. Well, uh-huh. welcome to America. I mean, <laughs> I mean, look at the number of individuals who look like me who are participating in your league. And now mm-hmm. that you have this, this, this cohort of young athletes, pro athletes in the NFL who are speaking out, Hey, all of a sudden it's an issue. No, Colin Kaepernick spoke out, right? And look what happened. And look, and and you and you and he was blackballed. He was mm-hmm. blackballed, hands down. He was blackballed. So now you got mm-hmm. you know some of your superstars who are speaking out, and now all of a sudden it's like, oh, we we blew it. No, I don't. I'm not buying it. And I'm gonna tell you something right now. The discussion is going to be long, very very long, because. There's so many things that need to be addressed, not just in terms of black people, but in terms of women, in terms of LGBTQ. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, I mean, you can, the list is, goes on and on. Immigrants. Immigrants. Thank you. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it goes mm-hmm. on and on and on. And now you got to figure out how to put all this in perspective so that this is who. Black people know that it benefits everyone, and that's a and and that's and that's a that's that's a tough task. It is, it is. But you know, at least people are are, are some people are sort of wa- are kind of waking up and realizing that there's something to work on, right? People uh, yeah, who might have I, been. I agree. That. I mean, I agree that I agree with that. Yeah. 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 I mean, I applaud, I, I applaud the I, I applaud the efforts. I do. Yeah, yeah. Because I was thinking about, you know, how I think I was starting to see people as really heartless <laughs> with the, even with the pandemic, you know, there's a lot of people who were like, no, I'm not going to wear a mask because it's my freedom to not wear a mask. And, you know, and I would have personal discussions and say, but this, it's not about you. You're wearing a mask to protect other people. Um, and then, you know, the immigration issue, which, you know, at the border, I've had several shows about that. And then this, 
you know, all this came up. And I was thinking there were a lot of people who were really heartless. And then now that I see all these people that are kind of waking up and saying, wait a second, we don't like this, I I realize that not everybody is heartless. Some of them might be. Some of them might be. But I think they were disconnected from their heart. Yeah. Well, you know, I've always said this. Um, You're always going to have people who are going to walk the the straight and narrow, and then you're going to have people who who defer from that. And um, sometimes you you can't control that. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I know right here in Ohio, you know, it was which is different than New York. New York, every you know, you had it was mandatory that you wear a mask. But in right. Ohio, our governor, our governor gave us the opportunity to either wear it or not. I mean, although he emphasized that if you're in public settings, like maybe going to the gro- uh, supermarket or what have you, that you you wear it. Well, you know, right. you see Same people, you Texas. see people, yeah, you see people wearing mm-hmm. it, and you see some people not wearing it, and you you kind of like mm-hmm. go, well, you know, you, and you don't want to get into a conversation about it because then that creates you know another another issue. So you don't want to go there. But still, in all, right. I mean, you know, I, I just want to say that right now it's very tedious. It really is. I mean, and I don't know how we how we uh, we're gonna we're gonna actually get through all of this. But I think you have to be hopeful that, given the outcry and given the cross section, that things may be starting to fall in the right direction. Yeah, I think it's a good, it seems to be a good start that so many people are like, yeah. So, you know, and I had a lot of friends who are not, not black, but very, very um, involved and want to do more. And I have a lot of friends who are African-American who are like, you know, I, I see a lot on LinkedIn saying, please don't put it on our shoulders to tell you what to do. <laughs> so, and I understand that. And I know people are, I know people are exhausted. You know, there are some good hearted people who really want to do something. Oh, so I agree. Do you have, I'm going to put it, I'm going to put it to you. <laughs> your shoulders. Okay. Do you have any ideas, any resources for, people who want to be involved and really want to do be part of the solution where they can turn to and actually do something that or or help to do something that actually makes a difference rather than just, you know, crying or saying I, I'm so sorry. <laughs> well, I I I know I know a, a good number of individuals right here in where I live in Oxford, Ohio who um, are committed uh, for change, no question about that. And then I know people outside of Oxford. I know people in Cincinnati. I know I know people in New York. I mean, who are committed to change. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's not easy. Um, it it wasn't designed to be easy. But we have to figure out a way uh, to sit down and and take things one at a time. Uh, as far as coming to some some understanding in a head uh, with regards to it benefiting 
everyone. That's that's mm-hmm. tough coming out of my mouth. I think that's real tough. I mean, I'll, get, I'll tell you I'll tell you a, a story. Okay, real quick. When I took mm-hmm. the position, when I took the position as the senior director of the Office of University Affairs in Miami, it was it was a challenge, hands down, no question about it. And and I and I was told that it was going to be a challenge for a lot of different reasons. Uh, but one of the first things that I did was that I made sure that I had a staff that was committed to being a part of the change and the challenge. And once I got that okay from them, I think we were ready to, to move forward. Now, now you have to figure out how you're going to make it work. So you have to touch base with a whole lot of different people. You got to touch base with people in the academy. You have to touch base with people in the community you have to touch with base with, with support staff. You have to touch base with, with, with your own colleagues uh, in various divisions. And then most assuredly, you have to touch base with a cross-section of students. You have to get the students mm-hmm. to buy in as well. Okay? Easy. But I can say this much. Sure. We, we were able to make an impact because there were days when I would walk into that center and I would see black and brown, and white, and LGBTQ, Latinx. I mean, I would see all these different people from different cultures. Mm-hmm. And that, 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 that brought tears to my eyes, but it also gave me a, a hope that this can change. And before I mm-hmm. left that institute, and before I left Miami University, I had a, I had a talk. We titled it as Real Talk with a cross-section, once again, of students. And I would probably say there were probably 60 to 70 students in this room. And this was my charge to them. I said to them outright, this is your base. Look around. Look, look around this, this classroom. This is your base. You have to support one another. You have to look out for one another. I told them that Martin Luther King... When he, when he marched on Selma or, or, or Montgomery or Birmingham, wherever it was that he marched, if you look at the people who marched with him, it was, it, you had, he had rabbis and priests and, and all kinds mm-hmm. of different people who marched with him. That was his base. And that's what needs to happen right. now. There needs to be a base, a, a cross-section of different individuals and from different situations who are willing to come to the table and talk about things that really matter that are based off of just the, the bottom line, the human condition. Mm-hmm. And I think if you can do that, you can turn the corner. It says the United States of America. United. It doesn't say the separate states. It says the United States. Mm-hmm. And, you have, mm-hmm. and you have to play off of that. Because if you don't play off of that, then you lose. You know, what you just mentioned is, um, you know, something that I heard recently that I think really makes a difference is that the people that you described that marched with Martin Luther King, for example, were people who were influential in their own community. Thank you. Thank you. So, That's right. You, yeah. So we have to have a cross section of people who are influential in their own communities and can go back and get their own people to say, hey, we want to join with you. That's right. We That's see exactly the reason. Right. 
We see, we understand, we understand that we can't fully be happy and free until everyone is. Right. Right. And and when you, and when you say free, free in terms of, of what? To really feel, I mean, I guess free to live a joyful, passionate life. That's how I always look at things. Okay. To really right. be able to do the things we want to do. That if we're, you know, for example, let's talk about for a moment, talk about white privilege. You know, we're, you know, the, by virtue of the color of our skin, we're given privileges that we didn't even ask for, right? It's just that we just have that privilege and it's not that, we have money and that that's not automatic. It's that we aren't stopped by the police um, just because of the color of our skin. Right. We don't, we're not looked at as criminal. Um, We're not looked at with suspicion if we're in certain neighborhoods or in certain stores. Right. And so that in itself is a privilege and that leads to, um, privilege in getting jobs and and you know getting the things that we that we that we you know strive for maybe ahead of other people who don't look like us right. but it doesn't really when we really are awake to that and we realize that it doesn't really feel good to just do that and not put our hand out for other people to join us people who don't look like us right it doesn't really like we don't like we're not like we don't feel free in our heart i guess it doesn't feel good to just take advantage of it and say well you know i'm just enjoying life because you know i get to do all these things and i'm not going to care about anybody else that's you know our deepest sense you know in in our heart of hearts that doesn't feel good like it feels well, good when we when we know that we're maybe even if we have that privilege that we're using it to help our friends gain that privilege. Right, right. Um, right. See, I does that a, make sense? Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. But the only, only problem for me is that the word privilege is such a you know it's such yeah, an overused it's, I don't word. Think it's a, yeah, I don't think it's necessarily the right word. Is what's used. <laughs> now, I, 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 I understand the concept of it, but I'm just saying, you know, um, here, here, here's the other piece of it. I said this to a friend of mine this morning, believe it or not, who, who by the way, is white. I told her, I said, you know, being black in America is like walking through a haunted house wondering what the next episode will bring. Okay? Uh-huh. I mean, when you think about it, that's, that's, I'm just talking from, from, from my perspective. You know, the fact mm-hmm. that, you know, you... You know, the insensitive behavior that has, that has plagued uh, black life in this country, it still reigns supreme given the past events that have taken place. No question about that. You know, protests, mm-hmm. for, and this is just in my opinion, protest is overkill in my opinion, but I understand why it, why it exists. I personally have seen and experienced racial insensitivity and blatant hatred because of the color of my skin, and it needs to end it, uh, but it never will because of the mindset of the privilege will be a major obstacle to overcome. And so how do you do that? How do you do that? I mean, uh, you got people who live in certain neighborhoods where, you know, there's no people of color. Or they may have mm-hmm. lived in neighborhoods where there was a dissection, and then all of a sudden they realize there are more people of color who may have, who may have uh, 
benefited from professional opportunities, were able to move in those communities, and then the next thing you know, they're moving somewhere else. Right, right. You know? Um, they call that white flight. White exactly. flight. Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, you, there's so many there's so many barriers. There's so many things that need to be addressed. And you can't just do it in one setting. It's going to take forever and a day, as I said earlier. You know, um, I'm glad but, that, go ahead. But we could start, right? Oh, yeah, it's you could start. No question about that. Time. This is a good time to start, right? The, we want to strike while the iron is hot, as they say. <laughs> Well, I think I think uh, I think a lot of people might be uh, in what I consider a culture shock, uh, as far as the number of people who have come out and protest against what they deem to be wrong. And mm-hmm. my my only concern is how do you piggyback off of that? Right. Because you got because you got you can't otherwise it's just going to die, and we'll be back to where right. we were before. Exactly. That's my fear. And the other so, piece of this puzzle, too, and I need to say this, mm-hmm. we got to energize because I think they already are, but we can't let them lose their energy. But we got to keep young people energized because they're the future mm-hmm. of this country. They're the future of this country. And if we don't keep them energized, then you lose. Because if you lose them, it's done. And that needs so, to happen. So, before we go, go ahead. Um, are there are there any suggestions that you could make for listeners to to kind of do what you're talking about to to start working towards this past the past the protests, right? What's next? You know, are there things that they can do besides well, voting, I, which is really I, well, important? Well, I think I think voting is. <laughs> I'm glad we didn't even talk about that, but I think voting is key. But I think some of the things that can be done is that um, there are a lot of communities that are starting to um, create avenues for people to come in and have what I call constructive dialogue um, mm-hmm. to, to figure out how, how they can begin uh, to uh, address some really major issues within their own communities. I, I think you got to start there first before you go national. Because you might have situations in your own communities that need to be, you know, addressed. No question about that. Right. Um, uh-huh. uh, but th- there's so many things. I mean, education, criminal justice system, mm-hmm. and, and employment, housing, the environment. I mean, there's a whole host of different things, you know. And I would probably say that whatever your interest is, and where you feel you you can you can have an input, that's that's the area that you should probably concentrate on, you know, um, and align right. yourself with the and align yourself with people who they don't have to agree with you, but at least you can sit down and have a conversation like normal human beings without attacking each other. That can happen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that's not far fetched. Uh, it, it just, it just, you just need to make commitments to, and I say first and foremost, you have to make a commitment to yourself. Right. And once you make a commit, once you make a commitment to yourself, then you can reach out to others. And that has to happen mm-hmm. across the board. That has to happen with black, white, brown, 
you name it. Everybody's got to first and foremost make a commitment that they that they're open and willing to change and mm-hmm. willing to 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 integrate with other individuals who who by the way may not think the same way you do. But at least if you have a conversation, you might be able to to shift 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 things a little bit and come to some kind of a, a conclusion. That's what I believe. That's right. what I believe needs to happen. Mm-hmm. Most assuredly, mm-hmm. I think that that has to happen. And if it can, then you know, God bless us. You need to keep talking. That's right. Keep talking. Don't stop. That's mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. You need to keep talking, and and you and you need to you need to put pressure on the people who can make decisions, like your legislators and you know your congressmen and your senators, state as well as uh, national. You know those people. Those people are are where they are because of you. Right. So you so you right. so you can confront them whenever you feel like it because your vote put them in office. Right. So people need to get involved politically. No question. Pressure. I there. agree totally. Yeah. Yeah. Mhm. And definitely vote. Even for not just the big, the high offices, but the local government. Like you were saying, right. the local communities are really, really where it needs to start, and people don't realize local government has so much impact. Very much so, no question about it. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. uh, but I, well, I Joe, once again, once once again, it's not going to be easy. Let's put it that way. Yeah. No, it's not, mm-hmm. but it's necessary. I think it's really. Exactly. I think everybody sees that now. Thank you so much for for being on the program this evening. I think you you know you put a lot of light on the situation, and and I would love to have you come back as this moves forward. I look forward to it, and I I, I want to say thank you for having me. Uh, I, I really appreciate this, and and also thanks for uh, sending me your book uh, <laughs> in your kind words. That was really nice. Very nice. Yeah. Well, I quoted you in it, so I was like, hey, he needs to have a copy of it. <laughs> so, sure. yeah, let's, let's stay in touch and, and okay. so we can have you come back. Uh, you know, okay. I really appreciate this. All right. Well, you have a very good evening and, and continue to stay well, okay? And I, I hope will. your mom stays well as well. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. And God bless you. Okay. And you too. Have a good night. Okay. All right. We're going to take a brief break and we have more to come. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Worried about memory loss? Dr. Ronald DeVere, certified neurologist and director of Alzheimer's disease and memory disorders in Lakeway, has been helping those with dementia and memory loss for over 12 years, specializing in the diagnosis, treatment, and counseling of those with memory loss and dementia. Dr. DeVere also has a book to reduce your worry and fear by knowing the fact. Memory loss, everything you want to know but forget to ask. Available now on Amazon.com. Dr. Ronald DeVere, Alzheimer's disease and memory disorders center in Lakeway, and his book, Memory Loss, everything you want to know but forget to ask. For more information or to schedule an appointment, call 512-261-7909. Please visit us on the web at www.drmaricarpel.com. All right, and we are back. If you just joined us, this is Dr. Mara Carpell and your golden years right here on blogtalkradio.com and on drmaricarpell.com. 
And uh, I just have a few minutes, um, just a couple of minutes, before we go to the interview with the twins in the Bay of Banditas. Um, And because I already covered a little bit of this topic, and I really wanted to keep Gerald on um, because the information is so important. But I already mentioned compassion, and that was the topic that I was going to discuss. And I just want to mention again that I really think that, um, you know, of course there are people who really don't care. I mean, we're going to see that in all the time. There's always going to be people. But there are a lot more people who do care once they are connected with their heart. And I think that each of us can go deeper with that, with compassion, and look at what, in what ways we can um, be even more compassionate. And it's painful to be compassionate at times because compassion, the definition is helping to carry someone else's pain. But the payoff is a much deeper feeling of joyfulness and passion to make those connections with other people and help them because compassion, carrying some of that pain with an, from another person actually is helpful to that person, that they're not alone. And I had this discussion or disagreement with somebody a couple of weeks ago when we talked about compassion and she said that she didn't think that compassion changes you, that you just understand another person. And I very much disagree with that. Um, Compassion changes us all the time. I mean, I have been changed over and over again in my in the work that I do when I'm really there and compassion can have compassion for the things that my clients go through and the people that I meet in life, the more I open up and have compassion, the more I change. And I think the current situation of what's going on in the world, whether it's um, the pandemic and if you feel like it's not a big deal and, and you are confident that you're not going to get sick and you're not really, you're not really worried about it. When you have compassion for people who are more vulnerable and there are, you know, knowing that there are people who do get really sick from it, then we're, the compassion causes us to change our behavior. It doesn't, we just don't feel for them and understand their, what, what they feel, but we change our behavior. We understand that, Hey, if I, wear a mask, it helps other people to feel more comfortable. And the same thing with what's going on with racial racial disparity. When we can open our hearts and really understand what somebody who is different from yourself goes through because of their differences from you, then it not only helps to carry the weight for that person, but it actually changes you, where you start to um, look at your own behavior and are there things that I can do differently that so that I don't contribute to adding to their pain, to that person's pain, to my friend's pain. I don't want my friends to have pain like that. I want to help them. 
So compassion changes us and it helps us to activate, to become active and to actually do things to make bigger changes in the world. Get involved in the political process. Pressure your legislatures, as Gerald was talking about. Vote for people who you know will make a difference. Um, Get involved in organizations who are making a difference. Compassion does that. So now I'm going to go to the interview with Minerva and Ruben in Bay of Banderas, Mexico. And um, I want to mention that we have some new listeners, uh, people listening in Germany who are related to Minerva and Ruben who are from Germany and now live in Mexico. So I want to say hello to Sammy Asat and Patty and Marilla Kur. Uh, relatives of Minerva and Ruben, who are in Bay of Benedetis, talking with me and talking with us about what's happening in Mexico. So let's go to that interview. Children can learn different things and activities. 
like acrobatics, aerial, juggling, contortion, dance, and many other things. Over time, you choose um, a specialty in which you're good in and you keep on training those. With the help of Circle Soleil, who gives us costumes, people from, out, from outside also come to help with the show and with organization. In this show, you can show everything you learn in your specialty, and the collection of money is used to buy new materials for the place and also for scholarships for children who are low income and can be part of this project. Ruben, I understand that you like to surf. What part of the Banderas Bay do you like to surf? I love surf. The places I like to surf here in Bahia Banderas is Punta Gorros, which is located near Punta Mita. It's a beautiful beach with good waves. I also like to surf in San Pancho because the waves are stronger than that. Allows me to practice more and learn more each time. If you are interested in learning to surf, you can go to a neighboring town like Perilita, Punta Where the waves are better for beginners, there are many surf schools that offer lessons. All right. There are some changes down there with the coronavirus. Can you tell us what changes have taken place? There were many changes. Now it's calm and their stores are starting to open. But a few weeks ago, the squares, the beach, the restaurants had closed and there was a checkpoint at the entrance to the town where they only let in people who live here or who have a house. Also, because of the corona, this year, Circo de los Niños shows was canceled for the safety of all. Yes, uh, restaurants are doing like, yes, restaurants and stores and now it's open the entrance of the town. Mm-hmm. And now people can come in, but the beach still, still is closed and you need to, um, yeah, you need to stay home for the quarantine. Since this is our first interview, we wanted our audience to learn a little bit more about you. But now, tell us what will be coming up in the next shows. What are you going to talk about? We will be talking about places that are here in, in around Bay of Banderas, Puerto Vallarta, Yelapa, Cibilita, La Cruz de Guanacaste, San Sebastián, and more. Also, any events that will be coming here. Minerva, Ruben, this has been fun. And until next week, stay safe. Bye. Bye. Until next time. All right. So that was Ruben and Minerva in Bay of Bandetas, Mexico, and we're going to hear more from them in upcoming shows about what's going on um, in this tourist Mecca along the Pacific coast of Mexico. All right, and let me let you know what's coming up next week. Next Sunday, June 14th, 
We'll be back with another show live from here in Austin, Texas, and we'll be joined from Vashon Island in the Puget Sound once again by worldwide speaker, blogger, minister, and author of several books, including The Power of Pause and Sanctuary, Creating a Space for Grace in Your Life, Terry Hershey. And Terry joins us this time to finding sanctuary and inner peace to aid in compassion, my favorite topic, in the midst of this tumultuous time. And Ruben and Minerva will join us again from the Bay of Bandadas and tell us more about things that are happening along the Pacific side of Mexico. And I will be talking a little bit along the way. And if you want to hear tonight's program again and read the information from this show, listen to previous programs, read my blog, find out about my book, all of that, go to my one-stop shop, drmaracartel.com. And you can also be sure to listen to this evening's program in as soon as five minutes from now by going directly to blog talk radio, B-L-O-G, talkradio.com slash your golden years and you can also listen on apple podcasts in five minutes and for future programs to find out what's coming up in future shows or anything else that's um, future event oriented follow me on facebook dr mara carpel your golden years this evening's program was produced by accomplice entertainment postal productions and psyched up productions and special thanks to my guest gerald gearwood Minerva and Ruben in the Bay of Bandadas, Mexico. And of course, thank you to Art. And thank you all for listening. Have a peaceful night and inspiring week. And remember, youth has no age. Good night, everyone. Stay safe.
takes me back to my place. Punta Mita time. Any guidance offered by Dr. Carpell is not intended to replace the advice of your own physician or mental health specialist. Neither Dr. Carpell, her sponsors, nor this station assumes responsibility for the misuse of any of the information given on this show. 